Why is it that there are individuals who seem to lead a charmed life when it comes to their career? Yes, they put in the work, they are dedicated and driven, but there is an additional X factor that propels them forward, powering their career to greater heights. I believe that X factor is emotional intelligence. Hi, my name is Muchamlingo. I am an emotional intelligence coach. Welcome to the second season of the EQ at Work podcast, a platform where I will share how you can leverage emotional intelligence to power up your career. EQ at Work podcast with Muchamlingo. Season two, episode number four, Finding Balance. The current state of global mental health is a cause for concern, and it seems to be getting worse. The pandemic, unsurprisingly, generally eroded people's mental and emotional well-being. But declining mental health goes back before the pandemic started. WHO reported a 13% rise in mental health conditions since 2017. This is a long-standing issue, and it's a conversation that we need to have more often. Our mental health affects how we think and feel about ourselves and others, how we interpret events, how we learn, how we cope with life events, and how we develop and sustain relationships. Mental health, along with emotional, physical health, and social well-being is an essential component of overall health. Allow me to preface the remainder of this podcast with a disclaimer that I am not a psychologist, counselor, or therapist. As an emotional intelligence practitioner and coach, the work I do is focused on supporting clients like you to develop a greater awareness of self, to improve certain skills and to support you to identify clear and concrete goals and then actively partner with you to achieve those goals. I believe emotions drive behavior and emotional intelligence a critical skill in the journey of life. As an emotional intelligence coach, I have particular interest in well-being, mental and emotional, and I have come to the realization that this is an area that we have often overlooked to our detriment. As such, I want to share some insights that I have learned in my desire to maintain balance for myself and for my clients. Insights that I pray will positively impact you and your ability to bring your best self to work. It's important to note that mental health is more than the absence of mental illness. You can have poor mental health where your mental health is not what you'd want it to be without having an illness. And likewise, you can have good mental health with a mental illness. I realize that I've used three terms, mental health, mental well-being, and mental illness. And you may be wondering, what's the difference between them all? So that we are on the same page, let's look at a definition of all three. Mental well-being can be described as a combination of how we feel, so that's having an understanding and awareness of your emotions and the ability to manage and express those emotions in a healthy and appropriate manner, and how we function, how we interact in relationship with others, our ability to manage self 
and personal control and purpose in life and independence. Mental health is made up of our spiritual, emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, how we relate to others, and make choices. Mental health is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence through adulthood. It can be negatively impacted by things such as struggling with aging parents or a poor work-life balance, uh, living through a difficult marriage, or working in a toxic work environment. Mental illnesses are specific, diagnosable health conditions involving changes in emotion, thinking, or behavior, or a combination of the three. Mental illnesses are associated with distress and or problems functioning in work, socially, or in family activities. They are medical diagnoses that have behavioral components like any medical condition, such as heart disease or diabetes. Finding it difficult to manage how we think, feel, and act in respect to daily stresses could be a sign of poor mental health. Having continuous episodes of poor mental health could indicate a problem. It is important to also note that poor mental health is common and it doesn't mean someone is mentally ill. Another insight that I've learned is that mental health is not a binary state. You are not either mentally healthy or ill. Our mental health falls on a continuum, ranging from excellent mental health to severe symptoms such as panic attacks or major depressive episodes. We can look at a continuum of mental health model developed by Delphi's Learning, inspired by the Canada's The Working Mind, and see that they have categorized the mental health spectrum into five zones, although there are many shades within each zone. The highest level of mental well-being in the continuum is excelling, giving the right conditions and a positive mindset. This is us functioning at our peak level in a state of high performance, commonly referred to as flow. A normal healthy state of mental health is indicated by the light green zone, which we call thriving. In this zone, you would feel fine, not necessarily completely free from troubles, but basically calm and content. Whatever worries or annoyances you face are coped with fairly well. They don't make you feel unsettled in the long term. You are functioning normally with regards to basic behaviors like eating and sleeping. Your work patterns and social life are what is normal for you. The yellow zone in the middle stands for an unsettled state of mind. A person can slip into surviving fairly easily. And it's important to watch out for the signs and symptoms. The yellow zone is not a severe state of distress, but it can indicate problems that could get worse. So it requires action. So how does someone experience this zone? Worry preys on the mind more than usual. Thoughts may be more negative than usual. Appetite and sleep may be affected. It will be harder to concentrate on work or other tasks. In this yellow zone, you may feel on the edge without knowing quite why. Sometimes in this state, we try to identify a reason, 
It may be obvious, an argument with a loved one or conflict with a colleague, but the cause is often difficult to understand. It's important not to blame the wrong cause as we may start to think negatively about the wrong thing, and this can lead to even further problems. In the orange zone, we are significantly troubled. We may feel so much anxiety that life becomes a misery. Mood may be so low, we feel it is hard to do anything well. Concentration is poor, energy is low, work suffers. In this state, we may feel pain both emotionally and physically, or we may feel numbed and empty. Thoughts will be negative. For example, ideas of worthlessness or that others dislike us. Basic habits are affected. We may have little appetite and sleep poorly. Unfortunately, there is a state of mental health beyond the orange zone of struggling. People with diagnosed mental health conditions may have found themselves in this zone in the past, which led to their diagnosis and treatment. But anyone can fall into this state given the right circumstances. In crisis, the red zone means a person is in a state of great suffering and needs immediate help. Their emotional pain may be so unbearable that they want to take their own life. Symptoms include severe anxiety or depression, or even both at the same time. There will be great difficulty in performing work and other ordinary daily acts such as personal hygiene, eating, and sleeping. They may just want to stay in bed all day and avoid social contact. It is likely they will stay off work sick. If they are ashamed of their condition, which is sadly often the case, they may give some other reason for their absence. Let me pause here for a moment and ask, over the last six months, which zone do you feel you have been in? Yes, it's true that we often ride up and down the scale, but where have you been predominantly? As I've grappled with the loss of my mom, I've found myself sliding out of balance. And it's critical to pay attention to the signs so that you can bring yourself back into balance. We don't talk about mental health and emotional well-being enough. We don't talk about the pain we may be suffering. But whether we're aware of it or not, mental health challenges affect each of us and impact our ability to participate fully and positively in the workplace. So how can you maintain balance or bring yourself back when you are out of sync? How can you nurture yourself? I read an insightful article published by the University of Michigan, 10 Things You Can Do for Your Mental Health. Allow me to share the five that resonated most with me, tips that I've been utilizing in this season to take care of myself. Tip number one, value yourself. Treat yourself with kindness and respect and avoid self-criticism. It sounds so simple, but this is very important. We are often harsh with ourselves, holding ourselves to an unrealistic expectation of how we ought to behave, judging ourselves without any empathy. We treat ourselves in ways we would never treat anyone else. I'm learning to make time for myself, to shower myself with affection. Create time for your hobbies and favorite projects. Broaden your horizons and try out new things. 
Do a daily crossword puzzle, plant a garden, take dance lessons, learn to play an instrument, or become fluent in another language. Lavish affection on you. I found that this goes a long way in bringing myself back into balance. Tip number two, take care of your body. Taking care of yourself physically can improve your mental health. I have shared before how your body is a machine and each part of this machine, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and social is intricately intertwined for good or bad. Be sure to eat nutritious meals, avoid smoking, drink plenty of water, exercise, which helps decrease depression and anxiety and improve moods and get enough sleep. This is the critical one for me. Sleep, sleep, sleep. I've learned that my lack of ensuring I get a good amount of sleep at night has really influenced how well I handle this season I find myself in. Researchers believe that a lack of sleep contributes to a high rate of depression. So sleep more. Tip number three, surround yourself with good people. People with strong family or social connections are generally healthier than those who lack a support network. Make plans with supportive family members and friends or seek out activities where you can meet new people such as church, club, class or support group. Tip number four, learn to deal with stress. Like it or not, stress is a part of life. So practice good coping skills. Try one-minute stress strategies, exercise, take a nature walk, play with your pet, or try journal writing as a stress reducer. Also, remember to smile and see the humor in life. Research shows that laughter can boost your immune system, ease pain, relax your body, and reduce stress. Tip number five, quiet your mind. Try meditating, mindfulness, and prayer. Prayer has been a balm for me, as well as meditating upon my favorite passages of scripture or a favorite hymn. As I repeat the words of God to myself, they bring about a sense of peace. Relaxation exercises and prayer can improve your state of mind and outlook on life. In fact, research shows that meditation may help you to feel calm and lessen anxiety. Allow me to share what I would call a bonus point. Get help when you need it. Seeking help is a sign of strength, not weakness. And it is important to remember that treatment is effective. People who get appropriate care can recover from mental illness and addiction and lead full, rewarding lives. And if you're struggling, feeling on the edge, get help too. You don't have to wait till it's bad to reach out and ask for help. Your mental health is fundamental to your ability to think, emote, interact with others, earn a living, and achieve your life and career goals. It is therefore important that you take ownership of your mental well-being, building your capacity to maintain balance, strengthening resilience, and showing up daily as the best version of yourself. It is also key that you take action when that balance is threatened. If you're interested in learning more about how to strengthen your mental and emotional well-being, join us for the upcoming EQ for Africa conference, Mental Health Breakfast Edition, on Friday the 19th of May at 7 a.m. in Nairobi, Kenya. 
This event is for you if you would like to learn how to leverage emotional intelligence for building greater resilience and maintaining balance for greater well-being. Discover the myths that exist for men and women around mental health and how to successfully navigate them. Hear from well-respected industry experts in the fields of mental health, emotional intelligence, and organizational development. Listen to a personal journey about breaking the stigma of mental health. Learn from a selection of personal stories, case studies, and panel discussions. If this interests you, register your attendance today on the conference website, www.eq4africa.com. That's www.eq4africa.com. You have been listening to the EQ at Work podcast with me, Muchamlingo. Tune in every fortnight as I share EQ tips and insights that will help you to power up your career with emotional intelligence, the soft skill that drives professional success. This podcast is for professionals who are keen to leverage the learnable skill of emotional intelligence to increase impact and effectiveness, build and strengthen professional relationships, and achieve their big, hairy, audacious career goals. If that describes you, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find out more about emotional intelligence on my website, www.muchamlingo.com.